I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you would, please, to, to uh, 3 John, the book of 3 John. We um, apologize about the music this morning. There was a glitch, so none of our uh, singers up here could see the words on the back there. So we are going to just move past that and go right into the Bible here this morning. I want you to pray, if you would, please. I want to thank the church for praying for Doug Davison. Um, last week I had mentioned uh, that he desperately needed our prayers. There were some complications that um, he was having and could have ended up in ICU. And uh, so I know many people were praying for him. And then I got word after the service later on on Sunday that uh, your prayers were answered. And uh, Doug is doing much better from uh, where he was and... and um, Lord just touched him, and, and uh, so thank you so much for your prayers. The Topol family as well, continue to pray for them. I mentioned last week they had a couple uh, deaths in their family, and so they need our prayers. Just continue needing our prayers. And then if you would, uh, please continue to pray for Janelle Nowak as well. Janelle had surgery and um, uh, is just in a lot of pain, and they moved her to Lakes of Monclova, and she'll, she'll be there for a period of time. She has to quarantine there, so she's not able to have any visitors. But I would like to ask her church, if you would, uh, if you don't mind, write her a letter, a note, send her a card. She's in room 309 at Lake Samanclova. And um, I know that would be an encouragement to her. She is just a, a little down because she didn't expect to feel this way after this uh, her surgery. And so uh, pray for her, if you would, please. Try to encourage all of these you should receive on Fridays, you should receive a prayer bulletin that we email to you. If you do not receive that and would like to receive that, just contact the church and let us uh, know your email address and we'll be sure to get you that prayer bulletin. There's a lot of prayer requests uh, on that prayer bulletin and uh, we want you to be praying for our church family. So let's look at Third John. Now I'm not finished with Acts. I um, was laying in the hospital and tell you, when, when, you're, when you have nothing else to do, um, my wife was able to get me a, a Bible, and so they brought that up to my room, and um, uh, I just read. Uh, one of the things, probably the most positive thing that I could say out of my hospital experience was just the opportunity to just read. Um, six or so hours a day, I just would just keep reading, and I read through the New Testament and, and uh, came through to this, the end of the New Testament here. And the Lord really just spoke to my heart, encouraged me with what I was reading when I got into 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And there was a verse that really caught my attention. And uh, that was this in verse number two of 3rd John chapter one, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. And obviously as I'm laying in a hospital bed, when I read a verse like that, um, the Lord just brought my attention to that. And I began to read, and I just read through these, this short book, just 14 verses, just read through that and was so encouraged by it. Really, I couldn't wait to get out so I could come back and preach. Um, and I got out of the hospital, and uh, so many were surprised. They thought uh, I would not preach, and you know, I appreciate the prayers for me to get through that message last week. But my heart was just so full of what I was reading, what the Lord was giving me, and I wanted to, to preach it to our church. And so we're not, 
we're not finished with Acts. We've got three more chapters of Acts, but I figured we'd been there a year. You don't mind if we took off a few weeks uh, to go to another passage of Scripture. So is everybody doing all right here? Everybody having a good morning? Everybody encouraged? Who's discouraged? Huh? Everybody hot? Who's hot? It is hot here, isn't it? Who's cold? Who's just right? Who's having hot flashes? No, I'm kidding. Third John, chapter number one, and let's pick up reading in verse number five if you follow along with me. Beloved, thou dost faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbid them that would and casteth them out of the church. How horrible that is. Could you imagine just the tension there at this place, this church? And Paul says, beloved, or, or John says to Gaius, beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee, but I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Father, help us today, I pray. Lord, we came and prepared for this morning. And Lord, I pray that even now, Lord, those that uh, sing and play instruments, Lord, I pray their hearts not discouraged because we're not able to sing. I pray that you would, Lord, just in every heart today, just bring us to a place of peace. Bring us to a place where we are going to hear your word. We're going to be challenged by it. We're going to be helped by it. Lord, things are different. Some walked in the auditorium today and the chairs are different and the amount of people, Lord, is different than normal. But Lord, I pray that none of these things would discourage us. I pray nothing temporal, nothing that, um, Lord, is not going to affect eternity. I pray it, it doesn't change us today. But I pray that your word truth would help us. I pray that we'd be focused upon it. I pray that we'd be helped by it. I pray that we'd grow today. Bless, Lord, those that are here, those that are watching online. And Lord, I pray that you'd be pleased with every part of this service. It's for your name that we gather and for the gospel's sake that we, Lord, want to take the truth and give it to each person we come in contact with. So help us today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. As I said, my 
heart was full last week as it brought us to this third epistle. John writes this, and Gaius is, is very special to John. And as John is writing this, these first five or four, four or five verses that we didn't read this morning, you can just sense, you can sense John's care and love for Gaius. He was, he was special to him. In verse number four, he says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. John refers to him as one of his children. This shows a, a dear relationship, a, a, a trusted relationship, a, 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 a family type relationship. Now, this is not one of John's biological children, but it's one that John has invested in. It's one that John has taught. It's one that John has discipled. It's like Paul would say to Timothy, my, my, my son in the faith. This is John saying to this Gaius, you see, in the first century church, they took that command that was given them by Jesus Christ to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them and then discipling them. And these these apostles, these believers, these, these disciples of Jesus, they saw it as their responsibility to begin to teach what they have and begin to instruct people and have people close to them that they're pouring into because they realize this. Their time isn't going to be forever. The older the apostles got, the more persecution came the more the apostles realized and understood that it was their responsibility to teach the next generation so that the gospel would continue. And I would say to you today, that hasn't changed. We may not be doing it as effectively as these apostles did it, but it doesn't mean that, that uh, uh, it should not be done. All of us should be investing ourselves in someone that is going to take the truth of the gospel into their generation. That's the responsibility of every Christian. There's a, close, a closeness here. There's a special bond between John and, and Gaius. John was so encouraged by Gaius' testimony. Again, look in verse number three. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. He is so encouraged. John, I don't want to go back and, and re-preach my message from last week, but just simply this thought. John was so encouraged by the life that Gaius was living. He was encouraged because Gaius was walking in the truth. We see in these short 14 verses here that, that make up this entire letter that the importance of the church. And I believe this, in today's world, in the climate that we see today, we as Bible believers, we need to realize that there, the church is essential and the church is important. The church plays a vital role in this world. Whether we understand that or realize it or not, the church is not just as we meet on Sunday and that's all we do until we meet next Sunday. God has a plan for the church. This world needs the local New Testament church. We need the local New Testament church. Over these last seven and a half or so months, things have been so different, very different. As I came in this morning and 
drove on the property and walked across the parking lot and even walked in this auditorium. I couldn't get off the, th my, the thought of my mind. This is the first time that I've preached to our church on a Sunday morning in this auditorium in seven and a half months. This is the first time. You know, we gathered and I preached to a camera, but I'll tell you, that's not the same thing. You walk in the church and nobody to be here. Some of the weeks I enjoyed preaching under the tent. Some of those weeks were hot. I didn't necessarily enjoy being in the heat, but at least we got to meet as a church. But the church is important. Individuals in the church behaving godly and living out their faith for others to see is our responsibility. Today, I wanna look at this passage of scripture, several of these verses, and I wanna look at the testimony of the church. The testimony of the church. Would you agree with me that the church is essential? Two of you would, okay. Maybe by the end of this message, the rest of you will as well. I want you to see again in verse number five, the Bible says this, beloved, thou dost faithfully. Would you write down that word, circle that word, underline that word, put that word someplace where you'll remember that word faithfully. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest. What, what, what is John saying? The testimony that I, these have come in verse number four, uh, three, that I, I rejoice because of what the testimony was. And I would say this, the testimony of the church ought to be faithfulness. And when I say the testimony of the church, that's us as individuals. We make up the church. The church is not a building. The church is not an address. This is just simply where this church meets at this location. But the church is you and I. And here we find John is, is writing this epistle and, and he's talking about the church. In verse number uh, nine, for a few verses there, he's talking about there's a fellow in the church that, that is causing some problems within the church and, and wanting to be in charge and, and, and uh, uh, getting upset with those that, that challenge his authority. And, and this is all happening within the church. And then he speaks of a uh, uh, Demetrius that is in the church and has a great report. And he's writing to Gaius who is in the church. And he's saying to him, the, the testimony that I hear that you have of faithfulness. And this is faithfulness uh, that he sees here this, that, that whatsoever thou doest, you're faithful. You're not just faithful to the brethren, you're also faithful to strangers. You know what he's saying is this is who you really are. This isn't something that you just put on. You're faithful in whatever you do. Boy, I believe this, the testimony of the church and the testimony of every church member ought to be this, that we are found faithful. Whatever God has called you to do, whatever God has placed in your life, no matter where you are, no matter the circumstances around you, we are faithful. Now, I know this last week or last couple weeks, it seems like this, this virus is just kicking back up. I had was invited to two conversations with our governor this past week, one on Tuesday, one on Friday. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that today. And it seems we watch the news and, and then the, the argument of, is, is it real? Is it political? Is it not? And I believe the answer is yes to the, all the above. <laughs> 
I, I would say this though, I can, I can tell you for sure the virus itself is real. <laughs> I needed a break, but I wasn't looking forward to six days in the hospital. That wasn't what the break I was hoping for. I had castle plans with my wife and we had to cancel those. And, but nothing should cause us to not be faithful in all things that the Lord has called us to. Church, the church has to remain faithful no matter what happens. Faithfulness. And within and without the church, he says, you're faithful to, to the brethren, you're faithful to strangers. This is something, this is the testimony that John said, I've heard of you, Gaius. And this is the testimony I would say that every church ought to have and every church member ought to have is that we are faithful. We live a life pleasing the Lord no matter who we're around. It's not just at church. It's in our community as well. The, the person, uh, the fellow church member knows is the same person that, that, that the, the workplace ought to know and our neighbors ought to know. We, we ought to be the same. We ought to be faithful. They ought to know that we serve Jesus Christ. They ought to know that we love Jesus Christ. They ought to know that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Who is this faithfulness to? What he's speaking of is his faithfulness to Christ. And because he's faithful to Christ, no matter who he comes in contact with, sees that faithfulness. He behaves the same around Christians that he does around strangers. He behaves the same with his family as he does with his church. His thoughts, his mind is upon Christ. Faithfully means this in a manner that is true to the facts. Now, get that. Please don't miss that. Faithful is this, true to Christ, true to his word, true to the facts, true to truth. Not what he thinks, not his feelings, not his emotions, but truth. Oh, listen, please, please, please do not miss this this morning, whether you're watching online or you're, you're here today, or maybe you'll watch this on the television program. Faithfulness is important because faithful is this. It's a manner in a manner that is true to the facts. Not our opinion. We've got a world right now that has an opinion on everything. We have a world right now that is, that is geared up and making decisions based upon their emotions. And hear me, listen to me. This is our source of truth. This is what the believer relies upon. This is what the word of God, truth, what we find in it is what we base our lives upon. This is the foundation of, of what we live and therefore we can live in truth and we can live faithfully, not because we're convinced of something, but because of what truth says within and without the church. I would ask you today, how faithful are you to the word of God? Gaius had such a testimony of truth. Why is that? Because he had to know the word of God. You can't have a testimony of truth without a knowledge of the word of God. 
listen to me, Christian, please. We are seeing, I believe, I believe this, this pandemic, and I think I've said this several times when we met under the tent, I believe it's a precursor to end times. I don't necessarily believe this is the, this is it, but I believe it's a precursor. I believe we're starting to see what, what it's going to be. I said to my wife this in the beginning of all of this, I was one that said, we'll just follow, just follow the rules. Let's just get through it so we can get back to normal life. I saw some things on the news that were popping up and I thought to myself, I don't know if that's truly persecution or not. But I can tell you this, we're living in days where there is persecution. We, we might not here in the Midwest feel it, but I'm telling you, I've got fellow pastors that are feeling it. I have a pastor friend of mine, Pastor Baker in New York City, was in court this last week. He's got a church right in the Bronx. Started it several years ago. And I mean, he, you, you try to start a, a church in New York City, you try to, to rent a building at thousands upon thousands upon thousands a month just to rent a building there. When you don't even, you don't even have anybody giving yet. Trying to reach a, a, a city that's, that uh, uh, is not easily reached with the gospel. But the Lord's blessed him and they've been faithful and he had to be in court last week and, and he was fined thousands of dollars for what? For his church meeting. He, he was told by his, his mayor, if you don't shut down, we will shut you down permanently. That's what churches are being told. This isn't 2,000 years ago. This isn't uh, uh, 1,000 years ago. This is this year in 2020. That's what Christians are being told. I've got another friend. I've told you about him, Pastor Clark, the pa uh, father and son. They co-pastor church in, in New Jersey. And um, uh, they're through a federal case right now suing the state of New Jersey because the state of New Jersey has fined them. I mean, they are in the thousands upon thousands of dollars. And they've done everything you possibly could. They required people. If you're going to come, wear a mask. They, they made everyone. They washed everyone's hands for them. I mean, they went out of their way to make sure they were doing everything they possibly could. They rented these big machines they put in their auditorium that, that filters the air. I mean, they, they, they abided by every single thing they could. And now they're being faced with six months in jail for every single time they met. You probably have heard some of the larger names, the names like John MacArthur, you've heard what he's going through. Been renting a, a, a facility, a, a parking lot to, to house the cars that go to that church there because of lack of parking. And that was taken from them and fines were given and, and now they're forced, they're meeting outside like we met. The difference is they're in California and we're in Ohio and we couldn't continue to do that. There's a church in northern, northern um, California that has had there at about 50-some thousand dollars worth of fines for just simply doing what we're doing today. 
I'm beginning to believe that there's more to it. But Gaius had such a testimony of truth. The reason why is because he had a knowledge and a love and a desire to be in God's word. What do we do? I would say this, we get into God's word even deeper than we've ever had before. We build our lives upon truth. I wanna remind you that Paul, what Paul says to his Gaius, to his son in the faith, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2.15, he says to Timothy this, study to show thyself approved unto who? Unto God. In times like this, what we've got to do is be serious about our relationship with God, our relationship with Christ. To go deeper here, Paul is reminding Timothy, if you go back and you read, he says to Timothy, the perilous times are going to come and there's going to be some that, that are going to walk away from the faith and there's going to be some, the persecution's going to come. And what did he say? Timothy, I want you to study. Study what? The word of God. Get into the word and grow faithful in the word of God and live out the words of truth and show thyself approved unto God. Each and every one of us, what we've got to be concerned about is our relationship with God, with our uh, uh, studying, with our approval unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Who is that ashamed? Before God. Because every one of us are going to stand and give an account. We're going to give an account of our faithfulness over these last seven and a half months and, and, and maybe for the next seven and a half months. I, I don't know how long this is going to last, but we are commanded to remain faithful. The church must stay faithful. Why? Because we're going to stand before God and give an account. Paul is saying to Timothy here in 2 Timothy 2.15, I want you to study. I want you to show yourself approved unto God. That's not working for salvation. He's not speaking of your salvation there. He's speaking of your relationship with God. Now that you're saved, be faithful in it. Serve, worship. And he says this, rightly dividing the word of truth. He says, you've got to remain faithful so that you can rightly divide truth. So you don't get sucked up in lies. So you don't get caught up in emotions. So you don't get caught up in fear. You've got to know truth. And oh, listen to me. Truth begins with our relationship with God. And it flows from that. So others see that relationship. That word faithful is simply this. Others see your relationship that you have with God. So the people in the church, those, that brethren, uh, uh, John Sizigeus, or the strangers, whoever they are, what do they see? They see you and your relationship to God. Listen to me, church. What we need more than ever is Christians to be right with God. The only way for that to be is for us to be grounded in the truth. The only way that we must do that is study it and live it and know it and rightly divide it so that others can see. What do we need others to see? Your walk with God. I believe Gaius saw John's walk with God. You know what Gaius wanted? A walk with God for himself. Timothy saw Paul's walk with God. You know what Timothy wanted? A, a walk with God for himself. Faithfulness. 
I want you to see verse number eight. You with me today? Everybody still comfortable? We're serving popcorn in just a moment, so no, they're not. Verse number six, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church. Would you circle that word charity? So we've seen faithful. We now see charity, which have borne witness of thy charity before what? The church. Whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. His giving of love. His, that, that giving of love, that charity is, is so many things. It's, it's, it's serving. Listen, we, we need more than my, my, my wife and I, we just talked, there she is over there. I thought she was here today. I hope, I hope she didn't skip church on us. But we were just talking this week and she said this, you know what I fear is COVID has caused so many people to stop serving. I tell you, one of, the, one of the hardest decisions looking back in hindsight, one of the hardest things would I look at the, 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 the downside of, of going online and the downside even of going under the tent and so many things being canceled is this. Too many people got comfortable not having to serve. In church, the reality is this. So many places now. If every single person came back, if someone said the pandemic is over, go back and live your life as normal. And we came back as a church and lived like we did in January and February. We don't have enough people serving now. Every area, we're trying to get back into it. There's not enough people in the nursery. There's not enough people in guest services. There's not enough people, Sunday school teachers. There's not enough people serving. Why do we serve? Because it's charity before the church. We serve because we love. What's the importance of, of, of these places? Listen to me, we don't just make up things so we can get people working. How many of you are glad there are nursery workers where babies aren't in the auditorium? All the moms raise their hand, yes, it gives me a break. My wife and I were on vacation one year and we went to a church, a decent sized church. I mean, it wasn't just 30 or 40 people. It was a decent-sized church. And we got in there, and uh, uh, we do what you guys probably do. When you're on vacation, you slip in a few minutes late, and you slip in the back row. <laughs> That's exactly what we did. So we got the view of the entire place. And I mean, this Sunday morning, they didn't believe in nurseries. I, we found this out. They, the pastor didn't believe they ought to have nurseries and children's church. Everybody, it was family and everybody needed to be in church together. And so we sat in the back and I couldn't tell you what that pastor preached. I mean, every, there, were, there was people playing everywhere. Their moms were coloring. I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was like a big nursery. It really was. And afterwards, I leaned over. I was pastoring in Georgia at the time and I said to Michelle, I'm so thankful for children's workers that can teach them at the level they need so they can understand. I mean, not only did the children not understand what was being done because they were just playing, the parents were hushing their kids the whole time. They couldn't hear what was being done. 
We walked out there. Like I said, I couldn't tell you what was preached that day. I could tell you what was colored. I could tell you what was played with. I could tell you the puzzles that were being done, the games that were being played. But I couldn't tell you anything spiritual that took place that day. Somebody comes in this auditorium on a, on a Sunday morning, maybe that's discouraged and that needs strength. They're a, they're a believer, but boy, they just, they, they need something from God to encourage them, to, to, to draw them closer to him, to, to help them that week. I'm so glad that, that we have things in place and people serving our children, our nurseries, so their attention can be on the word of God, so they can hear from God and their lives can be helped and changed. I'm so glad that somebody can come in this auditorium on a, on a Sunday morning morning and can hear the gospel preached and, 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 and distractions are limited so, so that they can hear the gospel and be gloriously saved. We ought to thank God for that, but it takes charity. It takes someone saying, I'll sacrifice and I'll serve and I'll go and I'll, I'll work so that the gospel can change lives. That's why we serve. One of the things we get so often I mean, so often, if you have visited our church and uh, you're, you're stuck with it, and one of the things that I hear so often is, boy, the people are so friendly. As soon as we walk in the door, people are greeting us. People are so friendly. You helped people. Your love for strangers that you don't even know caused them to be able to be enjoy and feel welcome to come in. And people have been saved here in this place. And it all starts with the charity that's shown out in that lobby. Those that sing, those that work on the cameras, those that work in the PA system, those that teach Sunday school classes, Listen to me, what makes the church is, is charity before the church. What is that? That's love. The church is not a building. The church is a body of Christ. Why do we serve? Because we love Jesus. That's why we serve. When I serve this body, I'm serving the body of Christ. I think we've, we've, we've lost so much, and, and maybe it's the fault of pastors like myself and other pastors. We've, we've failed to properly teach the doctrine of the church, but the church is not just a restaurant that we choose that we're going to eat at. If we don't like it, we'll just find some other place. No, the church is the body of Christ. It's important. John says to Caius, oh, I'm so excited. I've got no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You're faithful in what you do. You're not only faithful, you, you show charity before the church. You love the church. You're serving because of the church. You're serving, you're giving. You're being there for others. You're sacrificing to be involved. One of the greatest joys that, that we ought to have is loving the body of Christ, serving the body of Christ. Don't ever let it get old. Don't let it, ever let it get mundane. Listen, we get to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords when we serve. I'm concerned what, if we're not careful what COVID has done. Not just to our church, but churches across the country. And that's why I say I look at it now and I think to myself, boy, Satan has just had a field day with this. Am I saying that just something that he conjured up? I, I'm just simply saying I think he is exploiting it. 
I really do. And for some of us, hear me closely. I'm not aiming for your toes, I'm aiming for your heart. I'm trying to pastor us here today. Some of us are falling into it. We're just kind of being lulled away from what's important. It's causing church for many to turn into an event in a spectator sport. Oh, listen to me, church isn't meant to watch and then leave. Church is meant for action for all of us to be a part of. To grow, if you're a child of God, it's the place for you to serve. It's a place for you to grow so that you can go out and share the love of Christ and be the church to this world. It's for action, charity, serving, giving, sacrificing. Without this, the church becomes ineffective in the world. It becomes no use. This is why church is so essential. This is why church is so important because it is the agent on this earth that God has given the command to go ye in all the world and preach the gospel and to baptize and to disciple. That is to be done through the local New Testament church. Take the church away. Who propagates the gospel if the church is asleep? Who sends missionaries if the church sleeps? Who reaches their community? Who shows love? Who sacrifices? Who gives? How is Christ seen if the church falls asleep? Without this, the church becomes ineffective. I talked to, was on a phone conversation with her governor this week. I was invited to the one on Tuesday and I, I missed that one. And the chairman of our council that I'm on called me and he says, I'm really concerned. He was on the, on the conference call. He says, I need some time. I want to fill you in on what was what is concerning to me. And I kind of had that feeling before even. I just thought everything I'm seeing, I thought, I'm concerned. The governor got on the call with just, just our, our pastors on our council and I won't tell you all the details of it, um, but when that conversation was done, there were many pastors that were concerned. The government made this statement, you pastors, you need to be doing something to stop the spread of this virus. And if you don't, I'll give you time. And if you don't, then I'm gonna have to make decisions for you. Whew. He said to me, the chairman of our board said to me, what do you think we ought to do? I said, I think that we ought to tell the, the governor, we'll teach him theology. He doesn't teach us theology. Politicians don't teach the church theology. The church teaches them. I said, what we need to do is we need to write a letter to the governor and just simply in this letter, simply tell him the doctrine, the theology of the local New Testament church. 
just set it straight. Hear, hear me today. We're not meeting today because we have a First Amendment right to meet. If that's the only reason that you have while you meet as a church, you miss the real reason. I love the fact that we live in America. Love the fact that we have the freedoms that we have. But if that's the only reason we're meeting, then why are churches meeting in China? Why are churches today meeting in Iran and Iraq and Muslim countries? They don't have that same First Amendment, right? They, they're meeting because they have a God-given right from his word. And that's why we meet. And that's what we stand upon. But I'm afraid many of us don't know what that even is. And when difficult times come and hardship comes and in, in persecution, it's going to come. Some will cease to meet. In church, we're commanded by God to do it. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. We're commanded by God. The church can't stop being the church. We can't stop being the light. We can't stop being the salt. We have a mandate from God and his word not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together because when the church meets, something supernatural happens. The church is supposed to meet. We find encouragement. We find strength. We get fed. We serve. We give. We care. We're the light. We, we're the salt. We can't hide it. We cannot uh, uh, be afraid of it. We must gather and we must give ourselves so others will be strengthened and so others will hear the gospel message. Let me just give you these two, just for the sake of time, I'm just gonna give you these two last points. Number three, selflessness. Verse number seven, because that for his name's sake, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. This church was a selfless church. Their concern they're concerned more with the needs and wishes of others than with themselves. He, hear me, church. Don't let this get you unconcerned with lost people. Don't, don't let this pandemic sway you into a th place where you just don't deal with people, don't talk to people, don't, don't bother with people. People still need Jesus these last seven and a half months. People are still dying and stepping out into eternity. That's one thing what can't be stopped is death. And that ought to concern us. And our selflessness is our concern more with the needs and wishes of others than with our own selves. The church must see the importance of its work in this world, we must have a concern more for the needs of others and specifically for the eternal need of others. And lastly, would you write this down? Unity. Verse number eight, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Fellow helpers to the truth. We work together for the truth's sake. It's hard to be unified when you can't be together. <laughs> it really is. 
You see, when the church is unified, you become fellow helpers to what? The truth. The truth. Listen, we don't have to have the same hobbies, same upbringing, same thoughts, same opinions on every matter. We don't have to have the same politics. We've gotten so divisive that we've lost our unity. We're fellow helpers for what? The truth, God's word, the lost, reaching people, loving people, faithfully serving the body of Christ in a selfless way. We must be in unity in the word of God, the truth. Don't allow unimportant things to divide us. That's what Satan wants. Let's stay unified on the word of God. Let's work together to help others grow in the word of God. And let's get the word of God to all people. That's the essential of the church. How many believe that the church is essential? Would you say amen? Good. That means you are helped today. Because we only started with a few. The church is essential. We must gather. We must meet. We must serve. We must faithfully serve. We must love. We must be selfless. And we must be unified, church. Don't let, don't let the things of this world that are happening around this world keep the church from being the church. And you, my friend, if you're saved, you are the body of Christ. How many of you say we go be the church this week? Praise God. Father, help us, encourage us, Lord, so much is changing. So much is causing division. So much is bringing fear. So much is causing us to to make decisions off emotions. God, I pray for this church we will be strong in truth. That only comes from being diligently seeking you in your word, studying to show ourselves approved unto you, realizing we're gonna answer to you one day, give an account. And all we wanna hear, well done thou good and faithful servant. So Lord, I pray for us today, would you revive us? I pray for the one that just needs a stirring. Holy Spirit of God, would you stir them today? For the one that needs encouragement and Lord, the one that needs to be woken up, wake us up today, Spirit of God, so that we would do what you have called this church to do. Be a light, be salt.
bless this time of invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there is one today, today here that has never trusted Christ as their Savior. We, um, <laughs> invitations is something we've not done for months now. What that is, is just gives you an opportunity to respond to the message. And I want you to respond today if the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to you. For some, it's been a long time since you've been at this altar because we've not had this altar, this place to come pray available. Maybe you need to come today. If you're here and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, we don't want you to leave without an opportunity to trust Christ. Do you know Christ as your savior? He came to this earth, he died on the cross, he shed his blood to be the payment for your sin. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe he died for you? It's not Jesus plus religion. It's not Jesus plus baptism. It's not Jesus plus works. It's Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He went to the cross, he shed his blood, he went to the grave and he rose again. Conquering death and conquering hell, offering you, giving you eternal life. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That gift that God gives. The Bible says that we were born dead in trespasses and sin. That means this, if we die in our sins, we are separated from God for all of eternity. God's plan is not for a single human being to spend eternity in hell. That was created for the devil and his angels. But because man sinned, there must be a payment for your sin. Christ paid your sin debt. If you'll receive it, the Bible says you'll have everlasting life. That's life with God forever. If you reject it, it's life without God. Would you trust him today? Is there one here today that you would just simply pray, Jesus Christ, save me. I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that I can't save myself. And today I trust you as my savior. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again from the dead. And today I receive that free gift of salvation. I ask you to come into my life, give me eternal life. And I ask you this in Jesus name. I wonder if there's one here today that would say this, I pray I prayed that prayer and I trust Christ as my savior today. Is there one like that? You'd say this, pray and I trust Christ as my savior. Maybe you say, you know what? I need more. I'd, I'd like to talk to someone and answer some questions. Is there one like that today that would say this? I, I'd like to talk to someone about salvation today. I wanna get more information before I make that decision. Is there one like that at all? Just slip your hand up and slip it back down. I promise you, I won't come and get you and I won't embarrass you, I promise you but I do wanna share with you Christ. Is there one like that? Christian, how many of you would say this? My heart's stirred. Church is essential. And I wanna be faithful. I'm challenged today to, 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 to be selfless. I'm challenged today to have a spirit of unity, fellow helpers for the word, for truth. challenge today for charity, to love. 
Would you say that, Christian? How many of you would say this? The Spirit of God has worked in my heart today. And this is something that I want to live. It's something, the testimony that I want to have and the testimony I want our church to have. How many of you would say that the Spirit of God spoke to you today and that's your desire today? Would you just raise your hand? I want you to keep that hand lifted as we pray. Father, you see these hands, decisions were made. Oh God, it's so good to be in your house. Help us to be faithful. Help us to have charity for others. Help us to be selfless. And oh God, give our church a spirit of unity so that we can go and do your work in this world. We believe that church is essential. It's important. And so Lord, I pray you help us to live our lives pleasing to you. We ask you this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I believe, is it video working? Okay. I want to ask you that you do this. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for joining. Just a moment. Uh, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, that was a joke. Some of you might have got it. I shouldn't joke. I'm done preaching. I can joke now. Um, as you leave, there are buckets. There's buckets. <laughs> There's buckets that um, we have. We just, again, we, we don't want anyone to come and feel uncomfortable. I know how, whatever we think, we, COVID-19 is real. Like I said, I, I got it. <laughs> and there's not a person I love there's not a person I don't love that I would not, I would not want them to, to, to have what I had. It, it, it's painful. It uh, takes a lot of time, separates us from our families, and um, it is real. And so we're making decisions not out of fear. We're not making decisions out of politics. Any decision we're making at our church, we're making it because we love you. And that's why we're making decisions. We care about you. We care about our church. And so we, we stayed out under a tent. Again, why? Because we care about our church. We, we um, um, have offering buckets instead of passing the plate. Why? Just because we care about our church. I don't want anyone to come to church and get sick. That's why we're, any decision we make. As the deacons have met, as the staff has met, the decisions that have been made have just simply been made out of caution for the health of our church, all right? And so for a period of time, just so that we're not passing plates and getting people sick and that sort of thing, passing this virus, we've got offering buckets. I wanna encourage you to give. We did well with our offering all summer long. The last couple weeks have been just, I'll be honest with you, just been lousy. Um, we've been online and, I know people are used to giving in the offering at church and um, the last couple of weeks, offerings have been very, very low. And uh, I wanna encourage you in giving in that area to be faithful, if you would. And you can do that by giving in the bucket. There's, there's an opportunity to give online. You can do that uh, online as well. And um, 
set that up. However you choose to give, giving is a part of worship the Lord. And I want to encourage you to do that. All right. And so I think there's buckets all set up. It goes in the bucket, not out of the bucket. All right. So I'm just saying that to our deacons, just in case some of them walk by and like to, no, I'm kidding. Let's show this video. And as soon as the video is finished, we are dismissed.